I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, all you party people. Welcome to your Friday episode of your greatest podcast out there, Private Parts. That's it. Pull up your socks. Pull down your socks. Pull them up, pull them down. Get ready to have your ears filled with... Put your gloves on. What? Why am I doing that? You may be driving. All right. Well, put, whilst put, you're, whilst you're put, listening, put your gloves on so you then can't touch your phone. Once you you press play on the podcast, then put your gloves on so you then can't touch the screen again and change the podcast. That shows you don't have much confidence in the content. They might want to change it. They no, no, no they don't want to change it. They might or you put your gloves on so you don't mistakenly change it. Ah, uh, nice. Hey guys, by the way, today we have a fabulous episode with the one, the only example, otherwise known as Elliot. Otherwise known as Elliot. I didn't realize, by the way, what EG sta- stood for. We well, do now. What, is it, what does EG stand for? Example. Uh, yeah. There you go. But I didn't realize that. And that's his initials. That's his initials. And that's where the name comes from. Elliot Gleave. There you go. EG. There you go. It means example. Did you enjoy yourself? I loved myself. Um, you we, loved yourself? I didn't love myself. <laughs> I loved the episode. So I was trying to say. A little Freudian slip there. Oh, hello. Uh, we chatted about fame. We chatted about loneliness. We chatted about... Uh, chatted about... Music industry. We Being on escalators and just giving a wink. Chatted about drugs. Drugs, sex, rock and roll. Music. The whole lot. It's all in there. We should just begin the episode. You reckon? Yeah. You, th- you think they don't want to hear more of us? I think they just want to hear it. Nattering. Let's do it. All right. Well, go on. I'll let you, uh, seeing as you're the... The show master. I'll Here we let, go. I'll let you intro it. Everybody, get ready for this example on purpose. Um, okay, so how we kick off the podcast is Elliot, you have to um, describe who you are, say who you are in 30 seconds. All right. Here we go. Uh, I am a singing, rapping sensation. Um, <laughs> I'm an up and coming rapper from Fulham in London. I, I now live in Brisbane. 
and um, my accent goes slightly Australian when I'm there. Uh, I've got two kids, they're lovely little boys, and uh, my interests are skiing and movies and shouting at people on festival stages. It's quite hard to intro yourself, good. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's but under it, a lot of pressure. I mean, I know how to say it on stage, but mm. make some fucking noise, latitude, but not to you, weirdos. <laughs> how, do you do you feel like do you find it when you're on stage, right, and you're doing your uh, performances? Do you find that you become a different person? Uh, I don't. I still feel like Elliot, to be honest. Do I don't feel like because there's sort of there's artists, musicians who become other characters, mm. uh, and there's other people who get all dressed up. And there's some people who are just a super chilled in real life that then have a, this aggression maybe, or this, this persona. I'm like, because all my songs are autobiographical and I think I refer to myself as Elliot in a lot of songs and I sing how I talk. You know, a lot of people, like for Adele is the obvious answer, you know, hello, I'm Adele. And then gets on the microphone and it's just like, oh, best soul voice in the world. I kind of <laughs> just like- That's like, fucking great. Is she it? here? Cause that yeah, was- yeah. Hello. <laughs> uh, I just sing like, I talk and rap like how I talk and I'm always talk. So I think that's why people see me in the street and they're not really ever like, example, example. They're just like, Elliot, Al. Yeah. I feel like people feel like they know me mm -hmm. and they're always just like, I'd love to have a beer with you. And I'm like, cool, let's have a beer. Just like have a random beer with people. Cause yeah. I'm just like, and I think therefore when I'm on stage, I'm always, I'm always a bit gushing, but I'm always like, you know, thanking everyone. Um, Thank you for everyone being for, there. for the beers that you've no, <laughs> no, genuinely, I'm like, after all this time, I'm like, I'm just still so thankful. I know why I'm here because I work fucking hard. Yeah. But I'm, every like time I get on stage, I just can't stop thanking people between songs. But because, dude, that feels like a weird, like not a weird one, but that feels like a bit of imposter syndrome. Sounds like that when you, because you've done this. I know what you mean. I've read about that because it's like, I, I should be completely comfortable in my own skin and I am, but I'm like, I still feel like, how am I here? Because mm. it's just like, not not just the rapping thing, because mm. when I started rapping, not only was there not many English rappers, there weren't many white rappers, you know, this was before Eminem, before Mike Skinner. And then I finally sort of felt like I was accepted in that world, whether it be grime or hip hop, but I've always felt like a bit of an outcast because mm. I was a loner as a kid. I was part of the, the nerds at school. I was part of the grunge crew. I was part of the skater crew. I was part of the street kids, you know, from the, the estates, you know, I, didn't, I just used to just like, be a social chameleon. And I still feel like that now. So whenever I'm on stage, I'm still like, thank you guys. Like, fucking really? hell, there's 40,000 people here to see me. That's so interesting because I would, I would expect someone like you, um, you know, you seem confident, all these different things that you, you wouldn't be a loner at, when you were at school, when you were younger. I wasn't like lonely. No, but, but as I in was, jumping I, I, from different groups. Yeah, group. I just was never really comfortable in each, you know, mm. I, was, I always used to just flip between different groups at playtime or, you know, at lunchtime or after school. It wasn't really like a go-to group of friends. I was always really easy hanging out with, with everyone. Is, is that, is that because there's always, what probably why I've never stuck to a specific genre. I just, <laughs> yeah, you just jump oh, around. I tried techno today. Oh, a bit of dubstep. <laughs> oh, it was a bit of grime. Oh, I was just doing a rock album. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that, that's maybe because there's so many, I mean, honestly, I feel like you're like an interviewer's dream. I swear to God, yeah, because just your 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 brain, what you've done, uh, the things that you've been through, like to yeah. have you on a show or to chat to you, it's just like- Thank you. It, it's true, it's like gold dust, right? Because- Also, I don't hold back and you yeah. can pretty much ask me anything. Yeah, there's which no, is just amazing. There's so many people, oh, I don't see what the benefit is of 
people trying to skirt around. Have you ever shot yourself on stage? <laughs> no. Sorry, I'd ask you anything. You're just there waiting <laughs> in the wings, <laughs> aren't you? Finally. He it's comes like, over there. There's just a toilet question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. I've, I've, I've gone halfway through a 90-minute show and pissed in a bucket <laughs> in front of a lot of horrified... <laughs> You know, it's like a family side of stage. It's like, that's why I recommend you watch out front. Yeah. You're a side of stage, you don't hear anything, your kids are going to be deaf from the drummer, and now you see me piss. With the, with, with the jumping from group to group and being like that, some people would just say, if, you, if I was a psychologist, I would say the reason why people sometimes, they, they like jumping around to different groups is because what happens is, is that they feel like if they become too close to an individual, then the individual is going to find out who they are. So I can be loud yeah, and yeah. fun and entertaining all the time. And yeah. if, if I spend too much time with that one person, they're probably going to find out that perhaps I'm not always loud all the time. And that normally comes from... I get you, yeah, yeah. That comes from someone... Because I think I had that a lot of time. Comes from someone who has, wants attention all the time. Yeah, I do want attention all the time. Yeah. And I'm not very good in my... Uh, like I'm not, I am better at it now since I started meditating and doing yoga and having ice baths and saunas. But I used to fear like the days off between gigs, especially with my family on the other side of the world. I'll be mm. there like panicking, like what am I going to do for f you know, Monday to Thursday? I can, I can go to gym twice a day, but am I going to end up down the pub and off my face by 7 p.m.? Because that's just what musicians do. Mm. And wow. so then there'll be this fear of like, I'll just, I'll go, I'll get up, I'll go to the gym, I'll go see my chiropractor and then I'll go to the cinema and sit in the cinema for four hours and watch two films that I've already seen. So I'd do that for a while. So I wasn't really at peace with mm. um, my own company. Um, constantly distracting yourself. Yeah, constantly distracting myself. And then- Is that because you And that was maybe up until like three years ago. I'm loads better now since really? I just started breath work. Yeah. And yeah, I do that nearly every day, you know, like the Wim Hof style, you know, breathing in and yeah, out. Yeah, and yeah. then just like, I used to think meditating was sat there across legs, you know, your, your palms out. Yeah. And then realize now that just being in a sauna for 15, 20 minutes, just comment being at peace with your thoughts yeah mm. like 27 year old me you know on stage knocking back four cans of stella taking some mdma would have just been like fucking meditation like saunas and ice baths but like i'm 40 mm. now and i feel like you have more energy than i am more clarity than i did back then wow. and um i'm in better shape than i was back then you know i would have recently had like the full body checkup yeah. You know, you, you, was that like a full body scan where they give you like your- just do yeah, everything. Your health, you know, health stats. Finger in the ear, finger in the throat, finger in the bum, yeah. nice. finger down the yeah, bell end, you know, all the, <laughs> you know, MRI, he, he goes blood tests. just for the bell end one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the bell end. Every week. Uh, thumb in the bell end. <laughs> yeah. um, we checked it last week, Jamie. It was absolutely fine. Can you just check it once yeah, more? There's a bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah. We can fit our thumb up your bell end. Um, but it all came back. <laughs> And it was just... Isn't that called docking? Right? Yeah. I don't know yeah. what that is. Of, of course you'd know. You're always just there looking really evil and sinister. I know. Why is he always just going, jumping what in? can I ask these people so they know I'm a freak? Um, but no, I got the results back and I thought it was just going to be like, yeah, you've got liver disease, you're going to die in a year. And, you know, your heart rate's buggered and your blood pressure's buggered. And it wasn't. It was just like, you're fit and healthy, like a sort of 25-year-old athlete. And I was like, great which is also good because I've calmed down loads compared to what I was like a few years ago mm -hmm. on, on the booze and drugs. Like, um, Yeah, I want to get into all of this. Cause, cause, of course, well, you, uh, well, yeah. I want to do gear right now. <laughs> I want to get into it now. <laughs> I want to get into it now. Are you are you sober or no? Um, no. No, you're not. I'm being sober. What's you, the point in that? Well, I don't know. I mean, it works for some people, but... Yeah. But I think I think that I think what's interesting. I'm very proud of people who can do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just, I just have to almost like pick and choose my moments in the diary rather than... Mm. 
being I don't I can't do surprise mm. drinking anymore because it's too dangerous. Yeah. I'll, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to be sober all week and look forward to a beer on Friday with dinner. Yeah. And then it's Saturday after my show, I come off at 8 p.m. I'm going to get absolutely twisted. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Sunday, I'm going to have a few drinks. And then Monday to Thursday, I'm just going to strictly chill. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because then when I'm back in Australia, I'm basically just dad. Like, yeah. that's, my, that's what I do. I get up every day, drop kids at school. That's not taking a shit. I'm actually dropping <laughs> the kids at school. I'm not going to say anything now. Um, and, <laughs> and then, you know, I look forward to dropping the kids at school and getting a coffee. Yeah. And then go into the gym. And then I might go to the studio. I might go for a walk up uh, the mountain, Mount Cruthy, where I live in Brisbane. Like a whole range of amazing things, which are all free. You know, drive 40 minutes, go to the beach, yeah. go for a mountain bike ride. And then pick the kids up at three. And I can't, I'm, I'm like the only dad in the playground chasing around 15 kids, you know. Not in that way, but I'm just keep looking at him. But don't even know them. <laughs> parents are fucked, mate. They're just, they're like, are they really? Hi, Lockie. No, stop pulling your sister's hair. <laughs> hey, don't do that. I'm like, well, of course they're going to misbehave because you're a really bad parent. And it's like 90% of parents just are at the park on their phones. Mm. But I purposely leave my phone in the car yeah. so I can chase my kids and other kids around, you know? <laughs> I love that. But you're like, they come up to me and go, hey, Evander's dad, can you chase us and play tag? And I'm looking over that like, approval from their parents. They're like, <laughs> Yeah, so I said to him that like, are you going out Friday? Yeah, I'm just <laughs> you're there like, ah, <laughs> people, like, Next time you're at the park, look how many people ignore their kids. Yeah, they do. Just like, like, but just you... get involved. My dad always used to chase me around at the park. Really, and my mum was always like really hands on and in the sandpit and action. And I think people were back then before phones. Yeah, and I think like phones have fucked us now. I think they have, but I but I think I w I want to also go back when when you first started performing and you got your eighth album. Yeah. Coming we out. may grow old, but we we may grow old, but we never grow up. That came out June seventeenth, um, and everyone's saying it's my best album. Does that relate to you? Uh, yeah, it's that Peter Pan sort of yeah, uh, sort of you know that ideal of you know we do need to grow up, but I'm a you know just don't lose touch on the the best things in life, you know mm. the fun things. Well, uh, well, Peter Pan always says that growing up's a trap, right? Yeah, that, and the, and the point is, is that what happens is that as we we grow up, the, what happens is we get responsibilities and um, the the fun is drawn out of us and all these different things. But then on the other side of it, people would say that that growing up is an important thing because we have to have responsibilities in life in order to yeah. But just move don't forward. don't like lose touch of the really fun, simple things in life. Like you know, one of my idols for a multitude of reasons, not for just for his uh, the the way he dealt with addiction, but the way that he um, treats people the way that he sort of um you know got his life back on track was goldie you know mm, like yeah. i really relate to the fact that he's a musician and an artist you know i mean like paints graffiti artist he's into fashion he's into um jewelry he's into um you know body transformation he's into all these mm. you know whether it's tattoos or his gold teeth or whatever um and he's just like you know he's had his acting career then he went to the lowest of the low point, built himself back up by doing these sort of celebrity, you know, opera conducting things. And he's become quite a close friend and we chat quite a lot, but even the whole um, sauna ice bath thing. Mm. And he go, he lives in Thailand in Phuket. I've been to his house. Um, and it's kind of this amazing sort of like tree house style, house built around a tree, mental. It's got nice. a studio there, music studio. It's, it's a house studio. built around a tree. Yeah, it's mad to describe. But anyway, it's just like, <laughs> 
he do, he'll go, he'll get on his scooter and then go for 20 minutes into the jungle and then he'll run by himself through a jungle for two hours and then what? dive into a, a lake. And <laughs> what? And, and then the way he was, and like the, when he used to talk really about want to it, picture this I was, it's, on his, it's on his Instagram all the time when he's back in Thailand. But then he's, you know, he's got that life yeah. and then he's completely sober and chilled and he's just takes his daughter to the beach every day and he's a doting father and husband. And then he gets back to England and maybe goes crazy for a bit for a few gigs. And he's just always, you know, does his yoga every day. I'm not as committed to yoga as him, but it's a, I learned a lot from him in terms of how to live. And it's kind of like, you see his Instagram, he's just always on there wearing disguises, doing mad impressions and, you know, just it's amazing, basically yeah. just being a nutter. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it's great because he doesn't really care. He's not hurting anybody, but he's not afraid. He's unashamedly like, this is me. I'm this character. Yeah. This larger than life character, but I'm just going to go around the world spreading good energy. Yeah, it, it, it's it's amazing because um, it, it's the, it's what this industry breeds, right? Which is so, and and as I said, it's your your eighth album. Like you've done eight albums in in how many? Ten well, I've years. Done eight albums, four mixtapes, two compilations. That's insane. So like, that's insane, dude. What's that? Sixteen like LPs, long players. Yeah, which is insane. And so, and and, and I've probably got eight hundred unreleased songs. I'm on my iTunes folder. iTunes, remember that, lol. Um, on my, I still use it. It's so annoying. Yeah, no. I hate iTunes. I can't find something. Yeah. You can't reload, can't locate the file. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. I can see the word. Yeah. Um, and how do you get it off? I, I bought I, it nine years ago. Now they won't let me have it. Um, but yeah, I've got, I looked at this playlist called Unreleased on my old laptop that I hadn't looked at for a while. And I was like, I've never totaled this up. Mm. And I was like, held the discussion. And I was like, it's like 811 unreleased songs. Jesus. Like sometimes, you know, maybe for this last album, I wrote 25 songs to get 15. Yeah. But my second, third and fourth album, I was writing 50, 60 songs to end up with 15. Sheeran what? writes, whenever I chat to Ed, I chat to him on email like every week because he doesn't have a phone, but I probably only see him once or twice a year. Yeah. But when we do, it's like a whole day. It's the best catch up ever. Yeah. And I'm always like, go on, how many songs you written? And he'll be like, yeah, I wrote six songs this week. And that's whilst he's what? on a stadium tour. Mm. And he ends up with 100, 150 songs for every album and they pick the best 10 or 12. And mm. like, that's why more often than not, he has the biggest streaming songs of the year, whether you're an Ed Sheeran fan or not. Yeah. You can't deny that, I don't know, for instance, Shape of You, uh. which is what was that, one of the first songs to hit a billion streams? Yeah, dude, it's like the most played song ever, yeah. I think, yeah. And like, he wrote that with two amazing guys, one guy called Steve Mack, incredible pop producer, and then Johnny McDade, mate of mine as well, was in Snow Patrol. Mm. I've written a few songs with back in the day and they're like this dream team who put it together and like that was a moment of magic when you know one of the most played famous songs ever you know it's up you know arguably you could say it's like the Beatles Hey Jude and then in you know 100 years to come we'll be like yeah and Shape of You by Ed yeah, Sheeran 100%. that bloody annoying song that won't go away and I'll be like so how many songs have you written and he's like oh yeah I've done like 10 this week uh next I'm like but well, next week you've got four stadium shows yeah yeah I'm in the studio every day and they'll bring the setup into his hotel room or into the yeah. backstage dressing Fucking room. Hell. I was like, well, that's what you've got to do to be at the top level one. That's Just got to keep pumping that. And then, be what, where, and then like out of the 90 leftover songs, they might sell yeah. two to Justin Bieber. And wow. what, What's your creation process? Can you write whilst you're on tour? Do you find I possible? So my, the biggest song off this last album was called Deep, which is a drum and bass song. It's a guy called Boo produced it. He's a very cool, young, up and coming drum and bass producer. Yeah. Gives me loads of cred. Um, and uh, with the kids, Brazilian, man. yeah, Brazilian <laughs> pop pop star uh, called Nono. 
like she was on The Voice in Brazil. She now lives in London. She, she's this female vocal on it. Mm. She was supporting me on tour. Boo came down to watch my Manchester show in Feb, was so inspired by the show, he went away that night and made a beat for me. So, really? like, you know, based the music, the chords mm. on everything that you saw. So he wants something really emotional, but then a fat drop, which is basically all my songs. It's like calm, emotion. Oh God, he's depressed again. His girlfriend's left him. Oh, he's had too many big nights. And then drop, you know, big catchphrase drop. Everyone goes fucking, oh yeah, that example. Oh. And then back to her like, oh, he's depressed again. Oh, he's done too many drugs. Oh, he's cheated on his girlfriend. Oh, big drop, bang. Oh. So he saw the formula for my songs. It made me this amazing beat. I wrote it the next day on my day off, mm. on Sunday. Mm. On Monday, we were on the tour bus at like midnight after the show, buzzing, like I think it was like Bristol. And I'm singing it to everyone and all the support acts, there's 14 of us. Everyone's like, this is fucking sick. Mm. And then on the Wednesday, I recorded it. And I brought Nono along. So she was on tour with me anyway, support act. And I was like, do you want to come sing the chorus? And she was like, are you serious? Oh my God, man. And then we performed it on the Friday in Birmingham. What? And then performed it at Brixton on the Saturday. That's the so process, how quick it is. That's not, mm. that's not always what it's like, but that was a perfect example of like a song that came together like magic. Mm. And it still goes off like magic. It's like one of those ones where even if you're watching me at Latitude at the weekend or like Stand and Calling, it's like the fourth like penultimate song or whatever. It's not penultimate, it's fourth and last. But you play it and because it's drum and bass, people just can't ignore the energy. Yeah. Mm. And there's mosh pits and everyone's going, and then you get people DMing like, what was that song? What was that song? So it's kind of, you're selling your album through the live show experience. You know what I mean? But, but mm. where does this creativity come from? Because I heard that you, you, you said that you were good at maths at school. You, you weren't very good at English, weirdly, but you're, you're like a wordsmith. And so where does this kind of like... Maybe they didn't understand my use of the English language. Yeah, maybe, right? Maybe like, because that's what we do is like you, for a living, I bastardize the English language and I, you I, I mess with slang and yeah, I freestyle. And, yeah, but, and th I, but that's insane because you, that, maybe they're right. And maybe the, maybe the educational system is archaic, right? And that's why some people... Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't do well at music at school. You and I got, I got pretty much straight A's and A stars in GCSEs, except for English, which I got a C for. <laughs> that's like a that's like a complete sort of juxtaposition to, to what like you do yeah, but right? i mean to, at the end of the day gcse's don't really mean much anyway once you get <laughs> yeah. to a certain stage like, that, that <laughs> yeah, yeah. a levels don't either if you're listening to this sorry they don't <laughs> yeah. um, quit now guys yeah. most of the most the most successful people i know all failed at school and 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 then also the ones i mean it's it's fine if you want to be an accountant or a lawyer mm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you want to do something different, you're not going to fit into that pre like molded like. I was I I worked at, um, when I was 16. I worked at Chase Manhattan Bank, yeah. which is now what is it Chase J P Morgan or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that uh, up at St Catherine's Dock, and I got a job when I was 16. My auntie was like the PA to like basically the uh, European MD, and he got I got a job as work experience, and then they started paying me. So I was doing like loads of data crunching yeah. on spreadsheets. And then I got, at the age of 17, I got offered a full-time job. What? Yeah. I was like 18,000 pounds starting thing at 17 years old. Mm. And they were like, you don't need to go to uni. You need to do this now. You're, you're, you were smashed Shit. as well. And Such a shame you didn't. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just, I remember, um, uh, what's his name? Havutis. Nico Havutis. I remember his name. Greek fellow, Greek American guy. And I remember he took me to one side and he was like, this is your opportunity. Do you realize what you're missing out on? And I was just like, I don't think I'm meant to work in banking and numbers. And he was just like, you're crazy. Anyway, I went to uni, mm. studied film. And then I was set on becoming a film director. I, when I came out of uni, I went to Bondi Beach, lived in Australia for a year, just working, not backpacking. I didn't want to backpack, I wanted to work, live by myself and just live. Yeah, go crazy, but just have fun. And I started recording some demos, like rap demos. Mm. And then came back to London, obviously with a load of hip hop demos, but the only skill I had was I could edit. I'd, I'd studied Adobe Premiere in uni in like 2003 and I got really good at that. So I started working at Paramount Comedy Channel in the tape library and then worked my way up to the point where I was like editing promos and doing the voiceovers. Mm. And then a similar sort of thing to the Chase Manhattan job offer. I then got offered a promotion at the age of 23 at Paramount Comedy, which is almost like doubling my wage. Mm. And at the same time, Mike Skinner from the streets offered me a deal on his label, The Beats, which was part of Warner. And I remember my boss, Tony, he was like, are you sure you want to do this, mate? Like, I don't know much about this UK hip hop boom bap. You know, when white middle class people don't know how to talk about- <laughs> Sorry, where's he from? Like, something to do. Hey, he's from Birmingham. Birmingham. He's but from you know, Birmingham. when like, they say really awkward yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. you can just call it rap. You know, the hip hop boom bap. <laughs> Trip hop, what should I call it? You know, like yeah. they think just, they think they yeah. do. Just call it rap music. I just know. call it. You know what I mean? I know, yeah. I know, I Stop know. skirting around certain words. Um, and it's it's true. It was like, I don't know what you're planning on doing this, but your future is definitely in television. You're an amazing editor. You're amazing. You can do everything. I'm doubling your wage. And I was like, yeah, but I want to go on tour with the streets and get really loose and. Try and shag loads of girls and it's, it's you know a, what I mean. Travel the the country being a nutter for a few years. Yeah. It's amazing. And he's like, there'll always be a job for you here, mate. And I was, was like, <laughs> I love that because what, do you, do you think that you that that feel like doing those things and actually you know the the whole point of life right is to do what we love. And so you had all these opportunities to do other things, but you just wanted to do what you love and you didn't really listen. It's to weird because I wanted to. I thought I wanted to be an actor director. Yeah, and I have done a few roles in short small films mm. and. I just don't like the waiting around. I'm too impatient. And what and acting is waiting around basically yeah. a lot of time. It's yeah. like, you know, a 12 hour day, but only two hours of it, you may be acting. 
So that is just doesn't work for me and my ADHD and my. Like, I'm just. But like, you must have obsessive compulsive disorder as well. You must because in some sort of way. <laughs> because, got, I've got them all. You're being <laughs> diagnosed. No, but I've got all the things. <laughs> no, because it's 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 unique in a great way to um, okay to to learn all these things like like having ADHD right is that you you can't really focus on stuff but then you can focus on things because you focus on freestyling you focus on doing Adobe you focus on these things yeah, and but if you freestyling is great because it's using lots of brain functions yeah. at once you know it's like you're coming up with things on the spot yeah. and you're using rhythms and you're using maths and you're using words and you're looking around reacting to people yeah. and trying to get a reaction out of them trying to amaze them or make them laugh or whatever you know sounds a little bit like when you're at school because you were jumping between all those groups you were like I'll do a bit of banking let's see what happens I'll do a bit of uh, TV stuff and then you were just like hopping around until yeah, but I, I did my own accounts for the first four years of my music career as well what? yeah it was just like i do all the all the accounts for everything um why just because i knew how to do it save yourself a fortune god we're really getting quite shiny in here aren't yeah, we yeah it's hot yeah. in here yeah don't you're worry the about shiniest it. i think <laughs> yeah, I <see> um <laughs> but no i just i knew i wanted to be on stage and my mum spotted me i think when i was like five or six i was starting to misbehave quite a bit at mm. school and she made the executive decision to put me on stage in a local drama group in fulham and I think it was the best thing she ever did. Because, Why? Because? Well, because it would almost be like, first thing in the morning, she'd be like, just remember, you don't have to clown around and be a center of attention all day. Mm. Do your lessons. You're really good at maths. You're really good at art. And then when you get to 4 p.m., we can go there and you can do all your voices and all your singing and all your dancing and all your piss taking and all your, oh, you know. Yeah. So from the age of like five, five to like 11, 12, I was acting constantly yeah. after school so you had that, that was so you got that like channeled out yeah. there almost yeah and i felt like my mum would say oh he's gonna be a star mm. she was like, i knew i knew like yeah. loads, loads of people's mums do go like that oh, i know he's gonna be a star and they just end up becoming taxi drivers which is fine you know <laughs> we need taxi drivers but, but, but it's but it's amazing because what would happen is because also that that channeled in the wrong direction can be like a super negative thing right yeah and, and my mum wasn't a pushy mum she was supportive mm. but she would never she would say quietly to me, or, you know, to my auntie's going to be a star. She wouldn't be there in the drama group telling everyone like, here he is, the arrival, Elliot Cleave. You know, she would quietly just be there looking. <laughs> you got you but, but how much of it then, you know, wanting that validation and being on stage, how much of, of the excitement was then being famous? Because your fame was, and it is, huge. It was, it was just massive. And it hit you pretty quick. Um, yes and no, because I was... I was doing gigs from around 2005. I signed my first deal 2006. I went, my first album came out in 2007. I supported the streets on tour. It was like me and Professor Green and a few others. Mm. Um, uh, Plan B, supported him on tour. Then the, the, beat, the label got dropped by Warner. So then I was kind of going to go back into television. I was actually going to move to Australia where my mum, dad and sister had just moved to. So I was mm. living by myself in this old council house which then um, my dad had bought and my step granddad lived there, he was 94. Um, so I was living at the age of like 25 20, with a 94 year old man. And he was extremely fit and healthy for his age, mm. but the house was like falling apart mm. and stunk and like, you know, he was doing his best to sort of keep it together. Mm. It wasn't a nice experience, but it was a very grounding experience, very leavening experience. It's not the sort of place that I'd bring friends back or girls to. Why but was it grounding it was, though? Because, well, because it was just like living in, did you have in this, like, like a squat, you know? Yeah, and you had this like, hedonistic sort of lifestyle going <laughs> on around without you. the drugs. A squat without <laughs> the drugs. Yeah, yeah, he was on a few meds. But <laughs> but um, the, the, the thing is, it was like, at, around that time, it was like, 
it was a, it seemed like a lot of people to be overnight, like kickstarts came out and it was like, oh my God, examples of household name. And like all of a sudden I was getting, my fees went through the roof and I was getting offers overseas for the first time. MySpace had kind of switched to Facebook and Twitter was starting out. So you started to get, you know, people from America and Australia just like messaging you like, oh my God, music's global. Mm. But I had, a, I had two mixtapes and an album. And then in 2009, um, I would say about 50,000 followers on Twitter. And then I had uh, Hooligans come out, hottest record in the world. Watch Sun come out, hottest record in the world. Zayn Lowe, Won't Go Quietly. Uh, that was number seven in the charts. And then Kickstarts was number three in the charts. Wow. So it was a quick rise to fame, but I'd already been touring. I'd already done like 400 gigs. Mm. And I had 50,000 followers on Twitter and... You know, I'd had two record deals and I'd release an album and two mixtapes by the time I had fame. So it was gradual. It wasn't like what people do within the space of a year. I'd been yeah. drafting for ages. So I was actually quite at ease with being example and yeah. being photographed and being recognized. But the main thing that happened was just the, um, the attention from the opposite sex was just like, just went through the roof. And I want to get into this. Just one more question before we- That's, what, that's what really changes you. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> one question before the break. I want to, in terms of when you, when you first start gigging and then you get like a top 10 hit, what are you being paid compared to suddenly when you get a top 10? What did you then get to, how does, how much does that jump in terms of like finance? Um, I don't know, like, it's not necessarily about just the top 10. It can be a multitude. It could be, um, are you a hot name? Um, you know, back in the day, it'll be like, have the enemy put you on the front cover and blown you up. Um, have, are you on the radio one playlist on the A-list? You know, really? those sort all, they all come together and like, it's basically what they think you're worth ticket wise. Yeah. Um, so if you sold out like a uh, Coco in Camden, 1500 capacity, uh, say 20 pounds a ticket, 15 pounds a ticket, maybe your value for a festival is 7,000 pounds, 8,000 pounds. Wow. If you've sold out Shepherd's Bush, it's like 2,000 people, 25 pounds a ticket, you've done two nights at Shepherd's Bush, festival fees maybe 15 grand. You sell out Brixton Academy, you know, 5,000 tickets at 30 pounds, maybe your festival fee, depending on, you know, whether you're the prodigy playing Brixton and you're yeah. charging 100 pounds a ticket or you're me playing Brixton and charging 25 pounds a yeah. ticket. They basically work out where you need to be on the festival building and what your fees are. Mm. But certainly for me, I was I went from like 600 pounds a gig to five grand wow. a gig in the space of like two single, top 10 singles. And then when Change the Way You Kissed Me was number one, and then Stay Awake was number one, Say Nothing was number two, We'll Be Coming Back with Calvin was number two. Fees were just like, you know, then you're talking six figures. This is what I want to get into. And then once you've sold out arenas. Oh my God double your fee again like, and then you know headlining festivals because mm. so. then you're you're young you're earning shitloads of cash you're doing what you love people are loving you 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 get introduced to alcohol drugs women it's usually all free all well, that, not that i would pay for women <laughs> yeah, ever but, but that but that <laughs> but that cocktail yeah is, is not a good mix especially yeah, when yeah, i was you, talking about on the stephen bartlett um you know diary of yeah, the ceo yeah, yeah. it's like it's who's gonna say no to it mm. guy or girl you know, pretty much whatever you're into. Like, I'm I've I've never been into smoking weed at all, and I've never been into gambling. But I feel that every human being has their vice, mm. and um, you know, I found mine certainly. Okay, uh, for, I get it's intoxicating. <laughs> I imagine like it's just all presented to you, and you're like, here it well, is. It's just this, like, like, I mean, like, for, like I would I was walking up and I was coming down an escalator in Hong Kong, and there was this beautiful girl coming down the other 
escalator. And she just went, and I went, shall I come back down or you come back up? And she was just like, I'll come back up. And then she just got this really long escalator and then she just got to the bottom and it was like probably 20 seconds, but it felt like five minutes. <laughs> she just come up and I was just like, hi. And she was just like, I was like, where are we going? She was like, your room? I was just like, what? She was like Miss Hong Kong from like the two years before that. Unbelievable. <laughs> and then just like, you're just there. It's like, okay, no, that was easy. <laughs> I want to get into all this. We're going to stop the part one because I want to talk about all of this in part two. Okay. Guys, come back for part two. We're going to continue this conversation. Find See out what happened in Hong Kong. <laughs> See you in part two. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 